Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. Um, tonight we're here to celebrate Eileen Miles' um, book of poetry. She's standing right there. She's standing right there. You know, it's always a, a, a pleasure having her at Skylight for a number of uh, different reasons because I know she has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to poetry, art, um, and books. And when she reads, she has the most wonderful demeanor and uh, she's a really friendly person and an amazing writer. Please welcome Eileen <laughs> <Ali> Miles. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you guys like a part about me being a good writer in. That was nice. <laughs> nice touch, Noel. <laughs> um, I love Skylight and, and love you, dude. <laughs> um, and I'm, yeah, and I like reading here, so thanks for the honor. And thank you for coming, you guys. Um, so this is sort of a, um, this book is sort of a twofer. It goes this way and then it goes that way, which is part of the, um, I, I guess it's mildly part of something about the schizophrenia or the transitoriness of the time because I was I was living in California and rode up to a certain point and suddenly my ceiling fell in in New York and you know because of landlords I, I went back to get fixed and never returned but sort of um, <laughs> and then many other things ha I mean I, I just found that writing in LA was one kind of thing and writing in New York where I learned to write was another experience so I felt like the book really half the book really ended when I went back and then became something else entirely and then there's that poet thing where you have these like these lovely dividers in a book of poems and it just didn't seem like it did justice and also because um, I have this sculptor friend Oscar to his own who, who um, talked a lot about um, when he gets invited to do a sculpt to a piece of, piece of sculpture in a building he has a kind of a delight in almost bringing the building down with you know and he sort of describes it as sort of fucking the building with the sculpture and, and I thought to have a book going one way and then have it going the other way and to hit was kind of a fuck too you know so <laughs> it's it's that so I have a nice face I dribble So I'll just start with a little. I had um, had a loss when I lived in California, which is my I had amazing pit bull Rosie who died, and and it, it just the, um, writing about her got more and more precious towards the end of her life. This is day. She perceives light as a paint by number, leaping into a dark two puddle to the hump of her breathing, her sharing the air. I join in, it's everywhere with her, her abdomen bobbing as she stands looking at the fence, ground display of the light. Her wonderful ass sits down 
Earlier I described her feeling to joy at number one, or else three, birds, eight, her pink tongue, four, darker underneath, seven, the birds sounding like nine, and a brown tree over there, living or dying in the blue air. No excuse. I mean that weird, no you know when you no see your nose double or something, but it's the microphone. And, it's caffeine. Don't, don't, no, don't adjust. I'll just, I'll just keep up here. I'm tweaking. Okay, you see? I've been sitting in that cafe next door for like three days. I was like, crazy. <laughs> no excuse. The crows were never here. I don't remember them. And you could put your hand in the water and hit a fish or two. Now you got to go look. She was the first one from India to outer space. I don't remember those trees, and I don't remember it being so hot, but winter used to be really cold. You remember that? I know to hold back tends to keep the thing going, but I don't. I like it kind of square, all there. We played the reading at Gallery 6. Maybe it was his description of it. We read it in class. Some things get saved. I like to return. I like the farmer who studied science, came home, and made it work. He was Japanese. He stabbed himself right in the chest, like Elliot, not Kurt. The two kinds of death are different. Of all the songs you ever wrote, you wrote some. Guy in the airport reading about farming, big thick thighs. He looked like a businessman and that's what farmers look like today. He was trying to get better to improve his lot. This immense restlessness on the plane. Remembering Ray thought the birds had changed and something else. And Peter said the fish were practically everywhere and now they're not. I don't know myself and that's a sin. I feel very bad for me. I can feel a bit. <laughs> this is called observance. The thing about Los Angeles, the way the cars pile up when you get close, you think they had something really good in there. Thank you. Thank you. Writing. I was looking at the chandelier. Do you feel that way, she asked. I was driving through Los Angeles getting some help. I didn't know Pema Chodron was a girl. People sounded nuts. She had a sign, I'm hungry, I'm homeless, with a really pretty son. She hadn't asked for anything, but I gave her five, and that felt great. I thought women are a bunch of idiots, but that's what I am. Are you one? I don't count on what I am, she said, and that chandelier is more light than anyone else. Snowflake. There's no female in my position. There's no man. Wow, there's a raccoon on the tail of the plane. And there's no one seeing that now but me. And there's no one close enough right in here to see the further drawing, stripes or buildings, the bricks of the world. I wonder what I'll say about Sadie, and I wonder if they are still living in that state, and if they hate me for moving her furniture out and putting it in storage. I walked past that restaurant where I was so mad I could have broke the glass. I'm the only one in the mood to remember this me living. Who threw a snowball against the glass and scared me in my seat, so hot with rage? Why am I dry, freezing? I want to go home. I saw a rose in the heart of the year, 2001, everything turning, rose, doghead, a wheel of love, but I was so mad. I locked it up and took the key and lived for that moment, snowflake. It wasn't, I wasn't there, not even me, when she put in the key and it wouldn't turn. Um... I was living in San Diego, and I was living here too, and I was commuting, and I got this idea from um, someone to kind of, to avoid the thing of writing um, 
poems on a notebook on your thigh and like at high speeds thinking I'll die for this possibly shitty poem. <laughs> and so I started to write like that with a little little tape recorder. So it was a really good one night. So these are those poems. Number one, with music. This is the emerging possibility of writing this way down a thimble of a street with a cake of a view, bushy imported trees and the pop music given to me by some young person, in fact the one person I know. Two, those cars enter like a spider drizzle. Look at me, sun-drenched black, using my foot instead of my toes for a change. I count this road, I read that chain where you sit down is easier fat than fast food. What do you know, the red trucks with their hiccup front, Grant Wood roads, I know you're not a microphone, I know you're God. I know what catches me and stops me all the time and fills the rest and fills the bill and swells and comes down. Three, peach. My need to meet the new technology head on. Tommy's Restaurant, San Clemente State Park, a red car zipping past a lump of cheese wall they built for some purpose to look like the houses they built overhead. Peach, peach, peach. <laughs> it's like the national color of San Diego. Which is <laughs> Number four, palm tree. I use my nail to write the pressure of my hand. I mark time by palm trees that are and live next to one that was. A tall brown dead stick poking the sky that I use as a marker to say, turn here, right now. <laughs> Number five, driving. Driving, wiving with the land. <coughs> I feel sort of Elmer Fudd when I read that. Which is sort of <laughs> Six, Eileen. That ride took at least an hour longer than it usually does. Big brown clown mountains. To my left, the last part of the trip, here is the wide open sky. And I forgot this, and I forgot that. And in my freedom, I forget why I leave. I lean, I leave my name. Seven, dark water. Big parkway is so disturbing to me. Some cars seem to erupt from the tar itself. They seem to pull themselves up from below the surface of the land. Though I don't think land, I mean something flat, something black, almost like a water that we're on, though a dark water that holds us. Eight, car camera. Somebody's gonna go, are you from Massachusetts? It's like, yes. It's like, <laughs> My bullet regular, my two-fisted, slim little gun of a man, now to touch a button and turn the entire outside of my car into a camera so that everything that's going on out there could be coming in, could be held and recorded, because I don't want to point the camera. I want it to be as open as I am. What's moving be the thing that holds it all. I think that dot is me. Ferris wheel, bridge, trusty gray and pink scarves of secondary color decorating the light blue, but as we know, darkening sky. Number nine, destroying us. I don't mean to romanticize this thing that's destroying us all. I would happily drive more than two hours. No, no, I mean, I would drive, romanticize this thing that's destroying us. I would drive a couple of hours for friendship. <laughs> Number 10, ball. Is there anything about oil we don't know already? Like we're driving on our own limited past, something that's ancient, like the history of this ball we're driving these cars on, the fluid of everything and everybody that ever was here. We're draining that just to get around. And it's nice that I could feel around in the dark to say these things, touch a button to make it light and then go out. Number 11, the lines. We're both here in the dark and I can't feel you. I don't know what you're saying. Just stay in your lines. <laughs> mm. 
Number 12, man's beauty. We go this way and you go that. Things are a lot better for us now. A man's beauty remains the one thing you are absolutely not allowed to discuss. It's not a subject, he'll tell you. So his beauty winds up being like that of God. You can be outside, you can be yammering outside of the castle. God's not going to come out just so you can see what the, oh, shut up. How'd that happen? What's that? Caffeine. Caffeine. Thank you. <laughs> um, I want to get to the really sexy ones. Oh. I mean, people growl in the front row. Thank you. <laughs> this is um, DH. Politically speaking, look at this, a word at a time on my knee, looking forward to a picnic with my friends in the afternoon in their car, but no, the climate is such that I never arrive. Stayed on the Stairmaster one more time. I'm depressed all my life. Enraged the man behind me as we plow into the bright gray light. It's evening here, bright as a flea, as I enter the history of intellectuals who escape that, to land in this eternal sun, burning what's left of the earth, never meeting anyone. It was sad. It was a fucking sad poem. We just <laughs> felt that. There's like a, there's a poetry. If you say if you read something pretty, you can hi- hear a soft kind of like, oh. But if you read something sad, you don't hear anything. You're like, okay, I'm alone with my weird sadness. <laughs> I was just like, oh. okay. I'm just gonna cut to the other side of the book. Fuck it. I'm in New York now. Um, okay. <laughs> Um, your name. It's very hard to hunt from indoors, I'll say that for you, and text is at best an attenuated warning. Sound has a range of many desires, not just map. I subscribe to the Grandpa Bunny Bunny School of Theory. I mean, Genesis to write is a form of accounting, an approximate promise in the sunny mouth of time, a horny bet, or else hunters lolling around the fire. What did you get? How can we avoid it, this making a speech? Long-limbed and maybe in July, aren't we lucky to have captured each other in this hideous neon light? Mitten. And it's, it's a, um, a German in the middle mitten. It's not like a big furry mitten. It's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful here, but the thing is, it is beautiful. The peach sky is beautiful and black outlines of the branches and the leaves. Look, I even hesitate, but it doesn't matter if it all comes at once or breaks down slow. Catch this honking or the rumbling of the world. Last night in different streets, which I didn't bother to write, I made the point that the two places are connected and it's great where you are too. And boom, boom, rumble, all the places are connected. Thus the endless beauty. And I have been beaten and suffered and you have too. Whoop, whoop, listen to that. Someone getting arrested, someone caught, someone's heart just stopped. Someone else holding the bag. I wrote something else about the day holding me and me holding you. A car passes like a big breath. It's what I've got. All these things, and I hand them to you like sex in the city. My ideal, our endless sound, our connection. Listen to all your voices now. You made that little sound. I heard a little, huh? Thank you. Um, This is called high. So beautiful. Um, 
And it's this is dedicated to a poet named Steve Carey, who is from Los Angeles. Even dog, when you dogs have a little chihuahua every now and then walking up First Avenue, we hear that, and he just throws his head back and goes into the little chihuahua siren. It's like the most, and it doesn't happen every time, so it's like this ecstatic experience when it does happen. So Steve Carey was a poet from Los Angeles, and developing all this furniture up here. Um, and y as you know, there's a there's a New York school poet thing. There's a thing about poets who, you know, came from New York in the 50s and 60s, mostly gay, talked about art, talked to each other, talked about culture. But um, Steve, when he died, there was like a um, selected, and it was it was so you know a selected poem. So there's a reading at St. Mark's Church, and everybody's reading Steve's poems. And you heard this other. He was he was a very weird, very passive guy who would just sort of hang out and write poems, smoke a lot of pot, not do a lot. But he was like, there's nothing very beautiful about him. He loved women, and he was a huge endless. He talked about eating pussy all the time. It was like his way of bonding with lesbians. It was like let's talk about eating pussy. <laughs> but he was indeed a lover of women, and. Um, but as I was listening to his poems, I felt like there was this L.A. school thing, and it was these dudes who came up in Los Angeles in the 50s and 60s in the, in the time of late-night TV and watching the same movies over and over and over again. So that they, all they did was talk in quotes, and they would talk through movies to each other. So they'd always be in, in dialect, kind of, and his poems were like that. This is sort of unrelated to the poem, but um, related to Steve Carey. Hi, you made me smell. I didn't smell at all before I met you. Smells are pouring out of my clothes, feet, my socks, my hair. This is gross. You've made me monstrous and I love it. I knew a man who laughed at himself for being this way, stinking of love. It was what he was, a stinking factory of his love, lying there all day, going out to get a smoke. I'm the East Coast version of that since I met you, since the era of my famous resistance to you ended. It began like the wind. I am a window to the world. The mailman can see me. He waves, children out there playing. It's even this way when I'm out there, except when I hold your hand. I want it to be this exception. I've become not a woman or a man. The heart pumps. The man is dead in its spring. It's a smelly season, don't you think? The earth knows. The bugs are beginning to look around. You're throwing your mother's old stuff out. Your friends are beginning to understand. I want to show mine something different. The ripples I've become. I'm influenced. The way language changes and rocks heal and burn, meat stretches. Your little round animal face keeps coming around the corner, but oh no, now you're coming down. I'm looking up. Idiot ho. <laughs> Everyone, I want a big apple, and hey, you don't live here anymore. Saw your email, I got your address. Hey, yellow shoes, my shirt is yellow too. Is it mad to say I like May so, so, so much at this exact moment, stupid, wet? <laughs> June 5th. What is the nuisance or new thing about red angles, bars of light, and your new named green bank? I love you. Trumpets became, just became night in response to an, the enormous history, doors swung, the fish with the human teeth gnashed, the lighting changed subtly in the restaurant, the handsome young man in my building was nearly locked out, he's a terrible sleeper and I believed him, the black man didn't believe me, it's my house I thought, I'm not to be in this position, I liked the girl but she didn't call, it was yesterday, today is so subtle I can jam tiny details in its jaw and it holds them, it's a strong day that can withstand change.
is so weird about doing a poetry reading is that there's all these cracks in between the poems. So then you're kind of like, I feel like I'm having a profound relationship with you guys in these like, these little silences. Like I was like, this one, that one, feel like you listen to the room. It's kind of, it's very, it's pretty actually, I think. Smile. It's just not as much fun without a good light and a sharp knife. I mean, leaning into the peach of it. People find the time to get theirs sharpened or use yours. That drip in the kitchen is like someone I know. Today's cold is like an affirmation of the purchase of yesterday's new shirt. I knew the cold would come sometime, but today? I'm wearing that drip most of all. My half-made meal and even the space that surrounds the incredible possibility of hunger on and on like my favorite man, Frankenstein. The drip has tones, a relationship with the holding bowl that is only holding water. All these rhymes all the time. I used to think Mark Wahlberg was family. So was Tim, but close to his death, he told me he was adopted. Every time he smiled, he thought, Eileen is a fool. Or that's what love looks like. If I woke and my master was horrified, I would go out into the world with this enormous hurt. And I have carried mine for so long, I now know it's nothing special. It's just the fall and the sound of her sirens. It's the agony of being human. Not a dog who dies maybe six times in the lives of her masters. Everyone's phony and made up. Everyone's a monster like me. Now I know everyone. So... This one, this one's called The Perfect Faceless Fish, and um, I think the short version is that I wrote it in the airport when I was trapped there for like about 900 hours. And I was having a first conversation with my girlfriend about we're having the, the cook-off where nobody's gonna cook because we're both female and I don't cook and I don't cook and nobody's gonna cook and you're gonna eat in restaurants for like years. <laughs> so finally she broke down and said she would cook fish. <laughs> she was like, what kind of fish do you want? And I was like, a fish with no eyes. And she was like, anything else? And I was like, no scales. So she was like, great, a perfect faceless fish. So then I sat there for hundreds of hours in, in the Dallas, whatever that airport is, letting the fish speak into my notebook. So it is a miracle that I should speak to delight you. I feel like a flag, more or less, but music is my breeze. I have many friends, rest assured. You have given me my water, and for this I must thank you. You have been described as elegant in your time, and it is long, the road to go. I am honored to accompany you. A picture is simply what I am, an old crease, a perfect book. You will miss me in your sterile anticipation of something to hang this picture on. I come and go, an edible saint. But if you feast on me, you will be hungry. I know your intelligence, carnal somehow, and I began to speak when you began to want me. Please don't interrupt. I cross my legs. I flood the darkened rooms of art for a while. And frankly, that moment is gone. We could only talk through our eyes, and now that is gone, but this is deeper than the marrow. We don't need rods, cones, those Sanskrit piles of things. I am seeing through a stain right now in your love. I am swimming for years. In a sudden absence of trouble in a deftly handled conversation, I, a luminous fish, felt in this spectacle of impossibility, a, fra a fragrant graze upon the world, an intermittent twitch, whisper, if I had hands, I would touch everyone. I vanish in the green of the background that goes on and on, made by those who recognize it that way. There is always something better to do. I live in a terminal, and so do you. Listen, we're trying to end everything by this enormous silence, brief. 
But it was the old thing, so it shall be very loud, very loudish, and the squabbles we have about right and wrong and where the flagpole is. And do we ever, will we ever have enough space to play the game? I am deeply knowing you, and I feel you've chosen me for this conversation before it's cooked, before anything is prepared, anything at all, the lesser details, never mind the first exquisite choice that brought me into being, this conversation of fishy birth. I've had you in my pocket, it's all that I know, but a knowing that is useless without this acknowledgement in a many-chambered room. Ew, is that what you said? Enormous darkly I accept it. I flow around and fold into everything, your comic, desultory contempt, which I'm beginning to think functions as glue for you. The prettiness for me is the opening city and moving through it with you, the young old fold around your mouth, seismic. Trust that. I am golden the reconciliation, golden the anticipation, paradise, great ambiance. What's available is not of any use to what is me today, a stoic longing symbol of studying peace in outlandish quarters. Your long room in the night, your whole long body, which is faceless too, to acquire your trust is of utmost importance to me. I am foolish, I talking fish. The time is here for me to make promises to you that is sometimes standing in a bakery. Laughing becomes professional wife with empty folders, and I see the muscle embedded, the one that can't be removed in the beloved text that is offered, a torso-sized drink to me. Each time I break the surface, turn around, bubbles cascading from the incommensurate path of my tail, tentacle, limbs. You make me enough so I hold a cup, gasping with laughter, and the t-shirts covered with arcane scribbles carry the message, awkward grins and phones to their ears. Yours are wired to everything there is. You're an impossible telephone. I lift my head for the last sip of your, ew. A lamb leaps over the fence, the arms I would have we would hold each other in. I am waiting. No difficulty with gold. As I told your mother, I have obtained access to an uncontrolled intimacy Fear not. Certainly I did not phrase it like that. But I met her in the most advanced communication terrain and exchanged messages concerning our difficulties with God and man. I am beginning to know. I am gold, a transforming ship, the clipped end of an utterance I was saving for you when I saw your swinging light, the door approach, and everything moves close. Tell me a couple more. This one's called About Mary. And it's sort of the downside. Well, Mary Shelley, I was in a big Frankenstein thing for a while, so this is still her, kind of. I feel infinity seeing a band of white flesh against your dark blue shirt in the night. Later when you turn the AC on, because it was hot, it made it quieter. Then a little bit of fat helps you sleep, I thought, eating my yogurt. Staged the room for the photographer, and now I'm in it. You got anything crusty like your poem about dancing all night in the 80s. I never danced all night in the 80s. It was stories and you never recorded. Admit it, I'm not in that movie. Case closed. Maybe they were richer, it worked better, were men or something like that. I'm not done with you yet, playing with your bib, no apron in the store. When you changed your mind, I thought you had taken mine into account. Change it back. Which mind was that? The system isn't so much closed as sinister. No, I mean conceptual. A dog gets the wrong idea from repeated indulgence. I don't need to pay $45 an hour to know that I know it. You prefer a friendship with her. That's not wit. 
My words are big and wide, twice in the same week. I considered it my big mistake. You've got to be brave, or a better word for not knowing what's to come. Adjusting to that moment, or all of them, I refuse to do any more. She wrote it so young, and she had a funny accent. I will never again illustrate my widening point with a detail from your ex's Facebook photos. I will stop it here by saying I'm sorry and crossing it all out. S has a mustache. If I fear I'm a failure, say no, be enormous, I was, I am. If it's not for some incredible future, everyone's and not your kids because they're yours, especially if I borrow them once in a while. As many rounds of this as I can take, if I put more space around each night or day or just everything, minute other things, chairs, I move the chairs around and make it roomier. The words kept moving around and not in the terminal but in the home. It ate all night. I remember you in Ireland. I thought you had it. Everybody had. The amazing stories about translators that they speak across peoples, all of them. I said, I am recommending this as the most fun I ever, to animate the way another saw headlights or sound to see a pattern and enter their body. I'm the galvanizing. I'm the animating kind. I'm the monster. I shall cry till the end of my life. And teeny and not so teeny but pretty teeny and then little and then that's it. This is called Harper's actually took a poem of mine. This is unbelievable and it's like about Diet Coke. <laughs> and, and like living in Montana but it's all, it's to the mountains. When I look out at you, how absurd to think of Diet Coke killing me. I'm flying through the air, and there you are, white and dangerous. Who's kidding who? <laughs> your house. I've walked, pa I've walked past your childhood several times, and friends of mine babysat your friends. The enormous calm this morning, kernels flowing through my clenched fist into an old-fashioned milk bottle. Exactly. I've constructed this time. I thought waves, wooden ones, no flames. As a good middle, I climb on top and then politely move over. I was sexually abused by an entire house. Every shake of the building was my lover. Me abandoning you for not noticing me. Eating alone for years in my family. Not putting my foot down, but not picking it up either. Suddenly strong in the new presumed position, wider than, no more private than yes. Everyone's with men all of a sudden, men made, like my time. In the morning, didn't choke the limits of the bottle, can leave me in satiety. Not safety, something more native. Listen to me going all horny. Play, lover, play. So this is teeny, and then this profound, and we're done. Um, but maybe, maybe teeny is profound, and the other one's... Something else. No California. The only time I may have had a kid was at 19, and if that kid also had a kid at 19, then at 38 I'd be a grandmother. And if that kid next year also had a kid, I'd be a great-grandmother. It's late, so I want to call someone in California, but I'm there. This <laughs> is like... The only thing that's really horrifying about moving to California from New York is like, ah! Um, perfect night. Youth itself was a little baby animal. We're petting his honey fur as night cars pass in Missoula. We won't leave here or anywhere without each other. The road is long. We have our, we have our wires trembling. I'm so there, says the cat. You think that that was kind of that was profound, but that's not the. This is the last poem. Was, this glowing stick. 
I came here last night and heard Jeanette Winterson. It's kind of amazing. I was watching her drink water and I'm thinking, everybody looks weird drinking water. I'm probably now and always was a real and complete idiot. One lies on its back by the bed, glowing stick, a wand to shave my head, to call it to paste my hybridity onto. What is it thus? A meaning of a meeting of a meeting? I say a kiss. The stripes are enormous, day and night, and we like the enormity of fucking love, the impossible words that leave us on our platforms in the sun, spinning. I want to be in a beach with you too, a beach on Mars. There was a woman I claimed I would be dead with if I couldn't have her alive, and you are greater than either in this synapse. You float in going, what? The tiny stick goes orange and then not. You can't even see us because we're everything else and it's ours. And I love you in the blind spot of our changing ages. Thanks. said people are going to think that's gimmicky and not take the book seriously, so we have a little struggle about that. But, but I think it's great to think of a book as a piece of sculpture and, and that we get to change the form of it. And there's, you know, we're always thinking changing the form of the book means no book. You know, but the book, can, we can still fuck with the book, too. <laughs> it's actually, it's called Dosa Do, like there's a French name for it, which is, is, is totally related to Dosi Do, too. So. <laughs> Use the mic, he said. The, the dance, do si do. Oh, yeah, it's nicer. Yeah. You give workshops on Edith Well, not, not when I'm not here. Is that what you mean? <laughs> I have. I have taught here. Pardon me? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Actually, Chris. Yeah. Um, it might happen. That's a yeah. No, Chris Carlos and I almost did it, and then she had somebody that she had to have breakfast with or something, so it didn't happen. Is Chris here? She's like, okay. yeah. But I would. We'll we'll connect after after yeah. Any uh, hi. Hi. Um, I think calling the New York side different streets would seem to speak for itself. So why is the LA side called Snowflake, especially since there's no snow here? Oh, well actually, um, there's several things. One, one is that, that I just, like the first poem in the book is called Transitions, and I felt like when I was in California, I just felt like all these things were changing, both in, in me physically and in, in like, do I live here, do I live there, what am I gonna do? I felt all these, you know, I just felt like I was in this deeply transitional phase. And all these people I know were transitioning gender-wise and stuff. So there just was the ground felt very kind of unstable in this really interesting way. And then, and then I, you know, and I mean, it's just like corny to have a tattoo. I have a, um, I was like, I need a tattoo. What could it be? What could it be? And then I saw this girl in a, um, in a uh, cafe in San Diego and she had all these tattoos and a couple of snowflakes. And I was like, that is perfectly what I mean, you know, because I thought that's like a permanent transition kind of like this, this fragile object and stuff. So I got, and then I met this guy who, um, near the Ferris wheel and, and um, what's it, Mission, Mission, Mission Beach, who that was his thing, doing snowflakes. And he was from Milwaukee, which seems so strange too. So it, it's all related. <laughs> 
in a deep Rosicrucian fashion. <laughs> Hi. Well, I keep t making this joke, which is like when I, all the years when I was first learning to write in New York, people were like, don't move to California, it ruins your writing. You know, there was this, and it was, that was a, but that was a poet thing, because actually any, anybody who writes prose would know that California is so much better for writing than New York is, because New York, you're just crazy all the time, and it's, you don't get anything done. But, but, which is sort of good for poetry in a strange way, you know, but I had, to, I sort of had to learn to get relaxed with the more space and the more time and the less constant socializing, and it really, it just changed, um, it changed the length of my thoughts, and ch it changed the rhythm of, I mean, like, New York is, is a walking city, you know, and LA's not, so all that stuff is, like, really visceral, and it really affects the kind of poems you write. So I, you know, and I was excited by the change because I had a new studio, which was the car, you know. I just gather things. I feel like it's just a method, it's kind of, of gathering thoughts. You know, like, I, I mean, like, literally, I was writing a poem on the way over here, and the, every time, you know, it's like red light and waiting for the next line, and like, okay, here it is, write it down, and, you know, and stuff, and texting and all that. And so, I, you know, like, I, comp I compose on the hoof, definitely. And I learned to write, I don't know, I think suffering in college, I, you know, like, was intended in my family was intended to go to art school, like I had the intelligent older brother and I was the, the young creative one, which I thought meant dumb. And so I kind of resisted, like I, I resisted art school and went to college instead. And so instead of doodling in school, I started writing poems. And then just, you know, just found myself attracted to poems as a form because they're spacious on the page. And I, I mean, I'm a reader, I've always liked reading, but there was always something about the, the incompletion of the poem on the page was exciting. You know, like in the same way, there's a great, um, like Ian Carson's trans, um, translation of Sappho is really great, but one of the greatest things in it is the introduction. And, and in it, she talks about there's all these holes in Sappho, and they're indicated by brackets in the text. And she says, brackets are exciting, you know? And I think it was exactly that, the kind of what's not there is, is part of the thrill of poetry, you know? Is, is, is a kind of waiting, and there's a kind of, you know, communalness about it all. Um, so, so it just was a very natural form for me when I was jittery and young, and now jittery and older. So good, still good, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. Hi. It's um, twofold. Is um, who are the female poets that most influenced you, kind of in a lineage poetry way, and who who would you consider to be that you love? Like your who are some female poets that you love? Huh. Uh, well, lineage, I guess. Um, well, of course, way back it was Sylvia Platt because Daddy just is a great fucking poem, and I loved it, you know. And um, and then and then um, Laura Riding is fantastic. She was um, when you hear about the White Goddess, it really is Laura Riding. Like she was married to Robert Graves, and they sort of held court on Ibiza, and she wore a strange little tiara that said Laura, and she's like. She's just very, but she's got a, her selected poems is just like crazy. And she stopped, like Rimbaud, she stopped writing in a certain point. And her, she didn't go off to Africa. She was just like, poetry was an inadequate and dishonest way to describe reality. And she just rejected it, kind of. But she's a genius. Gertrude Stein, totally from the beginning. Um, and um, Alice Notley was a friend and a teacher. Lucille Clifton, 
um, love her work. And then, and recently, Ariana Rines is a good friend and somebody whose work blows me away. Um, poets, right? Poets, yeah. Because the fiction is whole other. Sh um, Shannon, Shannon. Hey. Uh, can you talk about um, the idea of kind of embodying the poem? When you read, you just completely, completely inhabit the poem, and it's um, you know, you know you're reading. You can you can take that on when you read the poem mm -hmm. and try to inhabit the voice, but it's totally a different experience than the body. And so I wonder if you could just talk about that. Um. I, I mean, I think it's sort of something I've gradually gave myself permission to to do and to be and and all that because I think, I, but I've always been in, interested in in voice, and I don't mean the voice of the you know like in poems that kind of voice in quotes, but just like just the the the, the sound of a voice and then and all the qualities it has and stuff. And when I was younger, I was sort of wanted to be, wanted to be a DJ and love that element in any kind of art form where there was you know Warhol recording at parties and all that. Just the sound of of of. And so I th when I first started to write, I felt like it was a recording. Like I really thought of it as a, as, a, as a soundtrack on paper, you know, and that's what was most exciting to me was to think of it as something sort of performative. And then, um, you know, and, and also it just like my first form of publication was this, you know, it's sort of like, well, I w when I was a young poet, I was, you know, sending stuff to poetry magazines and getting rejected. But what was always available and open was, was the open mic or the, you know, the reading. And, and, and it was just always this kind of like kind of breaking in and New York when you started to show up and be one of many and they were like you we'd like you to be a feature a feature you know and remembering you know and, and that you know and having having more time and filling that time and just you know this is an art form you know a few years ago I realized oh, that's what I do for a living I really read this is my this is my gig you know so that but and slowly realizing that it's a, a method of composition too and that when you're working on the page you're actually hearing it and you know it's like English is is, is such a language of a, I mean Gertrude Stein writes in it right we all know when we read Gertrude Stein because she's so she's so hard to read in a way because she's forcing you to kind of take her rhythms in and and one of the things I've always noticed when a friend dies and we do a memorial reading we're all up against that thing of actually taking on the body of our friend and we know how they sounded and 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 it's such an of love to fill that like vessel with yourself and try and approximate or even rewrite the sound of it you know but but I think I've just given myself wider permission in the years when I've been especially about silence I mean I've really gotten aware of that now that that's you know there are big holds of time you know not holes but you know like you're holding it for a second and you kind of like and to let it have those and I don't know I mean not being um, Somebody who was trained musically, I don't, but I know there's a time signature to every poem, and then I have to really honor it, and it's really important to read the read the piece in that, you know, so that I really kind of I've given myself permission to be more of a. Because I remember the first time somebody I knew who got a MacArthur started doing this when she read poems, we were all like, ah. And I think some people know we know who that poet is. We were like, oh my god, but. <laughs> Really, I started to watch myself wiggling and waving and stuff. And years ago, a poet named Bill Knott, who I've written about in, in, in Inferno, just like the first time, he kind of was the inspiration for punk because he just got so bodily into his work. And I think, you know, I think 
the, it's like that Wilhelm Reich thing, like the sounds really come out of different parts of your body. And I feel like when I started to realize the important thing was to make the poem sound right. If I gotta go like make a jerk, also getting older, I don't mind being ugly. So it's sort of like, I think I didn't wanna look weird when I was younger and now I'm like, I look weird. So it's like, you know, it's like the first time I was trying to decide whether to get ta a tattoo or not. And I was discussing it with this kid and he was like, I would get it if I was you. And he said, because the only reason not to get a tattoo is when you're 40, you don't know how you're gonna feel about it, but you are 40, you know? <laughs> so I feel I'm performing at the top of my game. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, maybe, I think that's it, thanks. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.